Welcome to the Bill Bradley Collective on a lovely Friday evening. Yeah, the rain held. The rain held. Yes. We're still indoors. Uh, discretion being the better part of valor. I legitimately was playing. I didn't even know about the rain. I was just like, 60 degrees is kind of the line, you know? Yep. And then I walked outside and I was like, oh, no, this we, is, it was gorgeous out. Yeah. We got soft. Absolutely beautiful, got, but it looked like rain, so. We've gotten soft. During, yeah. co- during COVID, we were out there at like 42 degree weather. <laughs> well, it, it was that or die. Uh, um, so, Zach. Yes. Homer becomes a boxer. Because Mo watches him fight some people and realizes that he simply cannot be knocked out. Who does he fight? Originally? Who are the people that, that Mo watches him fight and then decides? Uh, Nelson, Cur- uh, Curly, and the other bully's dads. Jim, yeah, it's well, Jimbo's. It, it can't be. It can't be Munson because his father. No, yeah, it, it, that, but it was a uh, Jimbo Curly and Dolph. Dolph's. Yeah, dads. right. That, that's incredible that you came up with that one. Yeah, Munson's father went out for chalk up uh, for cigarettes and never returned. Yeah, yeah. And, and, when, and his mother went out and got addicted to uh, cough addicted drops. To, uh, cough drops. <laughs> and when she came back, her breath was so clean she wasn't really his mother anymore. <laughs> what? One of the, that is one of the oddest episodes when when Lisa falls for for fantastic yeah that's incredible. How you doing, Andrew? Doing well. Always a pleasure to be surrounded by you, gentlemen. So I've decided to ad lib on your question because I walked out. Ad lib or audible? Audible. Um, I'm, I'm just yeah no I, I well uh, I, I, I it would actually been, mad lib. Yeah, it, we, it, we, <laughs> we need a pronoun. <laughs> No, 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 no pronouns. Um, so, uh, Dusty Baker is managing in the AL ALCS ALCS. Uh, couldn't remember the initials. And if he ends up winning the World Series, he'll be the oldest person to ever manage a World Series champion. Who is it currently, and is he dead or alive? Jack McKeon. Ding, 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 ding. That is correct. 2003 Marlins. That Beat is... the Yankees. Uh, can I just... He was, you know he, he was very, very old then. Do you know what his middle name is? I, I don't. Aloysius. That's sick. <laughs> can I just awesome. read um, a fact about Dusty Baker? Sure. Please. For decades, the conventional wisdom has been that the origin of the high five occurred between Dusty Baker and Glenn Burke of the Los Angeles Dodgers at Dodger Stadium on October 2nd, 1977. That's awesome. After, in the sixth inning, or it was in the sixth inning, after Dusty Baker hit a home run off of Houston Astros pitcher J.R. Richard. So Dusty Baker is credited with creating the high five. Another, an, another fun fact about Glenn Burke, do you know what he's also known for? Grading the low fives? Almost. <laughs> Almost. He's the op- only openly gay professional baseball player ever. He, 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 he was out of the league in what seemed weird because he wasn't that, like, he wasn't good, but he wasn't that bad. He was a good defensive player. And then he said, no, I'm, I'm, I opened up to my teammates that I was gay, and now I'm out of baseball. Also, Dusty Baker was on deck. When Hank Aaron hit his 715th home run, he was the first person to shake 
uh, Hank Aaron's hand after the home run, and Baker vowed that he would never shake another man's hand again. We should do a spinoff called <laughs> the Dusty. Then, and, and then he created the high five. We should do a spinoff huh. next year, the uh, no, Dusty not, Baker Collective. That, that part's not true. <laughs> Dusty Baker. The Dusty Baker Collective. We'll just just different, different facts about Dusty Baker. We'll be super old. We'll, 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 we'll have got the, 70 years. Right, we'll have the podcast go on way, way too long when, when we should just bring in fresh hosts. And uh, that will just blow it in the end. He has been a part of so much. It's like Aaron's home run. Steve Bartman. That crazy O yep. two World Series, Giants, Angels. Bond, he was he was Bonds' his manager when Bonds was breaking all the home run records. He, he, and now he, he's now here is he was, he was he old was, then. He's old now. He's winning World Series. It was but. his kid that ran. Oh, JT the, Snow JT grabs Snow. him out of the way, <laughs> snatches like. Dude, you could. There's a lot of Dusty Baker content to be kind of profiled. And yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we, we have some episodes left. We should just do a tribute. If, if they win, we'll do a tribute to Dusty. Fuck the. I, it's weird. I hate the Astros so much, but like I love. I do love Dusty. Man, Altuve, so sad he went Altuve there. can hit. They're awesome. Altuve can hit. As, they're man. all. I mean, him and Bregman and Alvarez. Year, he did, but holy shit, he. I saw uh, Jessica Mendoza called him the greatest playoff hitter of all time. He's and the Altuve. most prolific. Yeah, and I look, I'm like, 16 home runs, he might be. Uh, those guys, if you look at their postseason record books, it's this Astros run here of like seven straight LCS appearances. It's all just, it's Altuve, and it's George Springer, and it's it's Alex Bregman. They're just on every leaderboard of every like offensive stat. It's kind of crazy. Um, George. Let's expand a postseason. George Springer. Yep. Uh, George, He's no longer there, but yeah. George Springer's grandfather. Connecticut's own. AFT Connecticut president for over 25 years. UConn grad, George Springer. Yep. Yeah. All right. So what are you going to be writing about today? Jack McKeon's got to be dead. He was fucking old as shit in 2020. Jack McKeon, very much alive. That's awesome. He was so <laughs> old 20 years ago. That's great. Hey, good, good for him. Uh, he is, we can we can get the age. He's 90 plus. I, I believe that. He is a, a spry 93. 93. Okay. First, first team he matched? The Reds? No, he, no. He, he had the Kansas City Royals when they started to be good. He got 73 to 75. Seven, yep. He had the Brett, Otis, Mayberry, sure. Cookie Rojas, Freddie Potek. He had that yeah. team. And they didn't. They weren't taking next steps. And then, um, so he brought in Whitey Herzog. Whitey Herzog. Um, what will you be ranting about? The end of Showtime Boxing and kind of a look at where their house promotion from your boxing champions goes from there and also kind of a look at like just their legacy over what was, uh, you know, a, a, an interesting, complicated 37-year history on air. I, um, I will be talking about, thank God Roger Goodell doesn't have to look for work in the next three years. How about Although he could be Speaker of the House. Could be. <laughs> How about you, Zach? I'll be writing about where we are in the Speaker of the House race um, a week after we recorded. Yeah, so and what's the main topic? Main topic. A look at player empowerment through kind of two lenses. One, uh, what the fuck is James Harden doing in Philadelphia? <laughs> How we kind of got to a point where James Harden feels so emboldened as to make such a kind of demands as to not honor a contract and also at the kind of proliferation of player driven both contemporary and retired podcasts and what it the good the bad and kind of what it over over overarching things moving forward in like sports media and in player empowerment it's all next that the rants here on the bill bradley 
Collective. Driving into the crossroads of sports and politics, we are the Bill Bradley Collective. Here are your hosts, Ed, Zach, and Andrew. So good news for those of you who are worried that mediocre white men are struggling in this economy. Roger Goodell just received a extension, three-year extension on his contract, paying him $63.9 million a year. Uh, well, no, that's a raise on that. That's what he made last time. I was going to say, that's it? No, he made <laughs> yeah, like, He's only that? making $31 right. million? That's, um, that's pathetic. Goodell said, uh, from my standpoint, there's still a number of things that we want to do as a league. Uh, none of them involve player safety uh, or anything that's, you know, uh, accountability for ownership. None of that's going to work. It's just there's things he wants to do. He, he wants to make sure that, uh, I don't know, Apple Plus gets some games or something. Um, here's a stat for you. And, and um, our uh, colleagues... Uh, Friends of the Pod on the uh, Ringer Fantasy Show um, brought this out. By the way, I had an email read on the Fantasy Fantasy Show. Tell me the episode at some point. It was the the episode. uh, It was the the most recent. I think it was the waiver wire pickup one. And I told the story about a pizza place in Middletown um, that Jimmy Vigu told me. Uh, It was was for uh, uh, cut rate secession stories. So, yeah, it was great. I will tune in. Um, anyway, but they pointed out that Roger Goodell entered the league the year after Aaron Rodgers. And Goodell has made twice as much money, more than twice as much money in that time as the guy who was the best quarterback over that same period of time. It is difficult to see what Goodell did that anybody else could have done, just let the owners do whatever the hell they wanted and just say, okay, that's good, we'll do that. But, uh, yeah, so uh, he will have this job until he's 68, and then he, why would he leave? Uh, he, he'll just stay on it, and uh, he may get to a billion dollars. Four, yeah. four years, if he does another four years after this, goes to 72, 73, somewhere in that range, he will make a billion dollars as commissioner. The only thing I could think of that Goodell has done to, like, grow the game and therefore, like, grow the revenue that would justify an increase in pay is, like, I guess the London games, Germany. Now there's Germany. Well, weren't they talking about those under Tagliabu? NFL Europe was a thing in the 90s. Right. Like they had a full NFL-sanctioned minor league in, in Europe. But Yeah, but, um, I mean, I guess that's, like, the only thing he's done, but... He, he ignored he ignored Robert Craw, uh, Kraft yeah. getting caught in a a, 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 a massage parlor. He he, he has the easiest job in the world, which is do nothing and wait to ask for more money from CBS <laughs> and Fox. That's basically all they do. What he has done and in, in, in his position, and we're going back to what two thousand four. There about about twenty years he's been in this position. Is the NFL? He does nothing. He sucks. He's awful. But the NFL's profits and revenues and it's the nfl has it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and he just happens to be the guy that sits in that commissioner's chair uh, as steven um, ruiz pointed out he is willing to be humiliated every other month 
for that kind of money? Taking, you blame him? Take, you know, <laughs> taking the blame for something that one of the owners did, showing no accountability for anybody in in you know management anywhere, and uh, he looks foolish, and then he goes home and counts his money. That's it. Uh, for my rant today, I wanted to do a follow up uh, to last week's episode, which we recorded uh, last Friday, a week ago. It was released on Tuesday, and I, was, you know, today is Friday, so it's been a week. You know, maybe things have changed. Uh, no, they've gotten worse somehow. Uh, Jim Jordan, uh, who we talked about being the, the next guy to get his votes, uh, on the first round of voting, got twenty no votes. And then some of the no votes, including Rep. Don Bacon, started getting death threats. And his wife started getting threats. And then that got out. So then on the second vote, he lost 22 votes. And then there were more death threats, more bullying. And then on today, he finally lost 25 votes to lose even more. He had only 194 votes. So just getting worse each time. Just... It was great. He just kept he kept calling for it. He, it was like watching a guy get his ass kicked in a movie. Just one more, give me one. Except he <laughs> it's just a Rocky, Rocky yeah. won. Except he didn't get up. He just he went down. And the only way to end Jim Jordan, uh, from just doing this forever, do yeah, doing this into perpetuity was they had to have a secret ballot in conference today, so that no one could know how anyone voted. So there could be no bullying and no death threats. <laughs> and Jim Jordan lost like a hundred votes. Yeah. It's um but, but now like now they're talking about uh Emmert from Minnesota who replaced Michelle Bachman, if anyone remembers. Right, the, the witch. No, that was Christine O'Donnell. All <laughs> oh, right, the, uh, Michelle, Michelle Bachman was uh, crazier. Like, like Tea Party. Yeah, ran like, for president, I think, in yes, 2000. Oh yeah. Yep. Um Tea Party or uh, now would be considered yeah, a normal Republican <laughs> sanity. Um, uh, Emmert, Byron Donalds. There's like six people. Yeah, Byron Donalds from Florida. Uh, the best pe- and the brightest. For people sure. have now, but they're not going to come back until Monday. The vote, the 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 initial discussions with the what seems to be literally six candidates. And remember, they can only take four Republicans to not vote for them because other than that, they're going to lose. Um, this is not a race that needed more candidates. No. But and, they're, they're not going to get anybody. And and it comes at a time when, like, Biden gave, you know, Thursday night, what is last night, uh, an, Oval, an Oval Office address. I thought it was pretty good. Like, it even got good marks from Fox News. Bridget like said it was excellent, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I disagreed ideologically, but I thought it was well done. He looked like the president of the United States, which is all you can ask for somebody to do. Uh, and that money's going nowhere. We, we can't vote on it. They can't They can't decide on if they want to empower Patrick McHenry to do anything so that they can get business done. They can't even get that passed. Nope. Couldn't get it passed because they're afraid that if they passed it, Jordan would then take the next three months to try to to literally threaten people into voting for him. I mean, that's, you know, this this is, ladies and gentlemen, your Republican Party. So, a few weeks ago, I believe I said to you at Off Air that I had saw a few well-placed kind of boxing social media sources that I trust and I, that Showtime was going to be done with boxing in 2023. Did I, did we have that conversation? We did have that conversation. We might have had it on the air. I know we had it at the uh, draft choice. 
Well, this week, um, Showtime Sports had Steven Espinoza announced officially that Showtime would be shuttering its uh, boxing content, boxing coverage, uh, at the end of 2023. Uh, they've got th- it's going to be three cards left on the books uh, for the rest of the year, two of which are pay-per-view, one set in stone. It's a Demetrius Andrade, um, David Benavidez, 168-pound fight. How that fight's mm-hmm. on pay-per-view is insane to me, how people are going to yeah, expect people to fork that money up. A Floyd, May- a Floyd Mayweather exhibition is also rumored to be the other pay-per-view slot in the not third. Not watching that. No, and the third fight is as yet to be determined. Um, look, Showtime all year they've really transitioned more towards a pay-per-view model. There was much less um, network boxing versus pay-per-view. And look, their lineup, their pay-per-view lineup, did big, big business. I mean, Ryan Garcia and Gervonta Davis. You had Terence Crawford, Earl Spence fight that we watched together. You had the Canelo and. Um, Charlo fight, which kind of underwhelmed in the ring, but did good business for them. That's the way the model's moving. Um, look, the the Showtime is the home to Al Heyman's pr- uh, premier boxing champions promotion, and they're obviously going to look for a a home. The thought is that it's going to be a streaming home, and as we as time goes on, streaming, streaming, streaming. That's where that's where televised sports is going. Um, right now, the the top candidates are are thought to be DAZN. Basically, if DAZN could like consolidate. PBC in with their Eddie Hearn and Matchroom and Golden Boy. You'd have basically two players in the game, DAZN and ESPN with top rank. Amazon Prime, Amazon, is rumored to be in the mix. It would really make sense for me if like Warner Brothers, so Wrestling Marks, Zach, Brandon, like boxing is like a Saturday night thing. What if TNT has a Saturday night 8 to 10 wrestling program that does good, good ratings for them, good demo, every three weeks, monthly even, Put a boxing card at 10 o'clock uh, in that time slot. I think it would do good. Get HBO, get get those guys back in the mix. You know, it'd be nice to see Jim Lampley. It'd be nice to see uh, Max not, you know, kind of hamstrung by ESPN and having to play second fiddle to Kriegel and Tessitore. Um, look, Showtime has always kind of been, was always uh, the, the number two behind HBO and it's, and its run. Uh, it started in 1986. What was the first main event on a Showtime? Your favorite fighter was in the main event. Who do you fight? Hagler. Hagler fought who? Mustafa Hamshel? Good guess. John Mugabe. Oh, okay. John, it's, you know, it's one yeah. of those guys. 1986. The beast. For sure. 1986. And they had a long run. And look, it's, again, they were always the little brother at HBO. It was the network in terms of box office of like post-Douglas, post post-prison Tyson. It was the late end, the end of Floyd Mayweather's career. But Showtime was also the network of Diego Corrales, Jose Luis Castillo. It was the Israel Vasquez, Rafael Marquez trilogy. It was Paul Diallo and Johnny Tapia. It, they showcased the lower weight guys, not quite to the level of HBO, obviously, but there were some damn, damn good scraps on Showtime over the years. At the end here, I thought, like, to me, their production, their announced team was kind of the best of what was it's what is a weak crop between DAZN and ESPN at this point. Um, Showtime, it, it's it's a it's a complicated legacy boxing-wise, but it's one that's Again, a lot of immortal fights in, in the catalog. So, so when I heard this news, uh, I was home by myself two nights ago. And I turned on Castillo Corrales. The, I mean, not the best fight, but one of the most savage fights of all time. Those men just just banged on each other nonstop for 10 rounds. Um. I it's a fight I watch once a year, um, but seeing it this time, how good the production was with um, Steve Albert and Al Bernstein, uh, really good, really good 
announcing, really good, um, really good camera work. It was a really top notch product, and they weren't all that good. They weren't always that good. They weren't HBO, but um, it's a shame to see that that shut down. It really is. They took it seriously. Showtime absolutely took it seriously over their uh, near forty year run. Going forward here in boxing, promotions, networks, streaming services, they want to be tied to to the stars. They want to be in bed with Canelo Alvarez. They want to be with Terrence Crawford. They want to be with you know, the Tyson Furies and the Anthony Joshuas. It's almost like a, you know, empower the top guys. Tonight, for our main topic, we're going to kind of consider, take a look at player empowerment. Definitely in the NBA with regards to a certain one James Harden, but also... And we are a podcast. None of us are like former athletes, but you see this in the podcasting business of not just ex-athletes, but current athletes. I think Draymond Green's a good example. Getting into the mix and you see more and more of it. And we're going to look at just what the future of players, player empowerment, player-driven media, what that's all going to look like. It's next on the Bill Bradley Collective. Do you enjoy Pokemon Go, but wish you could also keep up with the times? Try Politic Go, the game where you can find and catch rich people and evolve them into senators and congresspeople. Paul Ryan, I choose you. Use white privilege. It's super effective. You can even catch actually decent human beings and try to change the world. My Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is evolving into a Bernie Sanders. You can even battle against your friends' politicians. Einstein, use loaded question. <laughs> Betsy DeVos uses dumb. Vouchers. It's super effective. Jeff Sessions, use memory loss. I do not recall. Politic Go, because the world is a fucking joke. So, if our friend Bill Simmons is correct, the player empowerment era, era began with... LeBron James deciding to take his talents to South Beach. And then, in the world, you know, as, as uh, Bill Simmons and Ryan Rossillo agree, the world just went to hell. Because now, decisions were being made by young black people instead of old white people about what young black people were going to do with their lives. And that's just wrong. It's wrong. Um, but it's been a kind of a two-sided coin. Um, did you have a, did either of you have a problem with... LeBron taking his talents to South Beach. No, I thought the way he did it was cool. Like I, like I know you know Andrew may feel differently because the Knicks were part of it. I was holding out hope that, that yeah, was, and, yeah, and they were sure. kind of spurned. But like we watched it all. It was awesome. Everybody watched. Yeah, it. that was awesome. <laughs> I was. I thought it was really cool. I was like, oh, all right, he's going to Miami. Like, um, it, it was kind of anticlimactic because of course he's going to Miami. But the idea that he. Like this was the Simmons thing. He owed it to Cleveland to stay there. I, I don't think he's still Simmons isn't still writing for the Boston Globe. Like, if memory serves, he got himself suspended twice from ESPN, so he could then vi- break his contract and sell and sell uh, to HBO, and then to Spotify. So I mean, he's got to be worth several hundred million dollars. Um, but but I mean. It was, but was that the start? You know, I was actually thinking about this today and that's where I landed. And it wasn't just LeBron. It was just the decision of, again, three young black players in their primes, Dwayne Wade opting to stay, not only LeBron, but also Chris Bosh coming over there too in free agency. It might not be the start. I think it was the first, it was kind of the point where it became part of like an actual consciousness of like, oh, these guys just kind of, 
again, they all came out in the same draft. They've all, you know, they're all peers. They're all, and they're all buddies and they're all going to play together. And I don't think that sort of thing had ever happened in professional sports before where three guys at that level had kind of made the decision like, Hey, we're going to band together. And, uh, yeah, I can't think of one. Yeah. But. It certainly started the, like in the NBA, especially the, the big three sure. super teams, you know, you then the Garnett, uh, Allen and uh, Pierce. That's just before, but that's yeah. that might be because yeah, but that's that's not a super team because they got moved there. Like they didn't like yeah. Garnett was Garnett. Garnett and Allen were both traded there. Yeah, Garnett yeah. and Allen were traded yeah. there, and Pierce was drafted. Um, which is it doesn't. I don't understand the idea that it's okay if someone else decides that you have to go play in another town. But if you decide you want to go play another town, that's bad. I've never understood that idea. Um, it's never made any sense to me. That doesn't mean everything about it's great. Because James, whatever his middle name is, Harden, has made the decision that you owe him money for him to consider whether or not he wants to play for you. Um, he has skipped... As of right now, he has yet to show up to any practices or preseason games. Uh, He's saying he will not play after signing, after voluntarily signing a $37.5 million contract because I guess he thought he was going to be traded to the Clippers. I was going to call them the Chargers. The Clippers, because he wanted to be. This one, I don't know. I do not consider what James Harden did here play or empowering empowerment because if you it you have to empower someone or somebody and this doesn't empower anybody least of all James Harden who if you wanted to go play for the Clippers don't sign the That's, contract just right. could just go to the Clippers that would have been player empowerment him going I'm walking away and I'm going to the team I want to unless Maury told him we have a sign and trade for you and then they didn't. That's the only way. I mean, that would explain that Daryl Morey is a liar right. and, press and, conference and, and, and I'm not among sure. a bunch of stunned <laughs> Chinese children. In, in the I weird, no idea what he's talking the about. The single weirdest video clip oh ever just ranting on the other side of the world in front of... In front of young Chinese children, like a basketball without beyond borders, right, or right, it's called, right, where, he, uh, where, where he's supposed to just <laughs> like a goodwill hit, ambassador, handing out Adidas sneakers or something, and um, it was just the craziest thing. Yeah, so like I don't, it's just, it, it's just bad. Like it's bad contract it's, negotiate. It's bad management. It's it's bad. Like if Maury said you have a sign and trade, and then he didn't. There's a possibility that the trade fell through on the Clippers' side, where they looked at James Harden and went, uh, you know, we don't want to deal with well, that. Well, it's also a violation of NBA policy yeah. to set that up ahead of time. Um, you know, I mean, they do it, but you're not supposed to, like, you're not supposed to collaborate that way. Um, but, yeah, I know that Dame Willard, you know, uh, there's a – article in I think it's the ringer talking about the end of the player empowerment era and they're saying you know I think it was important that Lillard didn't get traded to the team he wanted to go to but there was no question that Lillard was going to show up and play for, for sure Blazers he never said he wasn't no. and he's a that whole situation is yeah that's unique into itself he, Lillard's a professional 
it's the Blaze, and, and as valuable as he's been to Portland, it's not like they don't owe it to him to send him where he wants to go if they're not getting a a, a return that is commensurate for Damian Lillard. And um, I think yeah, Miami uh, Riley overplayed his hand here. He, fe- he feel felt like they have no choice but to take whatever I give them. And it's not like Lillard said, "Well, I'm not going to go to Milwaukee." Um, for those of you who aren't good in geography. There is nothing similar about <laughs> Milwaukee and, and Miami other than the first two letters of, of the words. Um, and, you know, it's, 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 it's probably minus 14 right now in, in Milwaukee. Um, and so he's going. He's happy. He's playing. I mean, he's handling it like a pro. He's going to go win a title with Giannis. He's, they're very much in the mix. You know, no question. Wouldn't want to play with Giannis, you know? Yeah. Um, or more importantly, Giannis's brother, Lillard, Thanasis, or which uh, I don't know. One of them, one of them got caught yeah. finally. Yeah. Lillard said after the first preseason game, "I have never been left that open in my entire they're, life." They're, they're, they're going to be they're brutal. Like kind of unguardable. Yeah, they're going <laughs> like to be those two. You know? the, the the second they started, they, it was a fifth possession. They were going to do a pick and roll. They did their first pick and roll. Lillard drained a three, and then they did another one. And Giannis got a dunk. It's a and it's like, that's going to happen over and over and over and over. It's a cheat code, having those two together. Um, but it's not just getting to go where you want to go. And maybe, you know, having tantrums, um, which I, I just don't think it's fair to the players to make. We don't act like every owner is, um, you know, Donald Sterling. And that it's it's a hell of a lot closer that every owner is like Donald Sterling than it is that every player is like James Harden. Um, but it's also players getting their own voices under their own, you know, under their own it's brand and their own money, controlling their own narrative, right? If you will, I think. I think. And th- did that start with the Players Tribune? Uh probably. Because the Players Probably, Tribune, yeah. Players Tribune, uh, started by Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter was the first hey. one to do it. Yep. There are, um, and it was supposed to allow players to share their philanthropic endeavors. But what you got is a series of like pretty interesting, at times very interesting articles. Uh, you know, uh, um, people dealing with their mental health, and people dealing with, uh, you know, Kevin, you know, Kevin Love. Uh, wrote about his mental health. Sticks out. Natasha Cloud talked about racism. Brianna Stewart talked about child sexual abuse. Um, People really going out and 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 taking a, uh, you know, making a statement. It's been a little controversial because, like, the David Ortiz one, at a guess, not written by David Ortiz. It's his second language. I'm sure he could write very eloquently in Spanish. Right, I I am sure, but English, probably not so much. But that was, I mean, that's really when you started hearing about the Players' Tribune. But even that, you know, it's philanthropic. Now they're just starting podcasts. Have you listened to any of these podcasts? No, I I, I got to be honest. I don't want to know their opinions. It, it's hard enough to watch football. I just, I don't need, oh, Aaron Rodgers wants to debate Anthony Fauci. I don't, whatever, man. Just go heal and win a Super Bowl. I don't want to know their opinions. To me, they're just, it, you know, did the, the, did the Romans know what the gladiators felt <laughs> I, about politics? No. I I have to be honest. I tend to not be particularly interested in a lot of players. Like when when Zach, Zach Lowe, I listen to every Zach Lowe episode. If he's got players on, I might skip it. 
Like, I don't, I don't really need to hear Austin Reeves. This week, I made it a point to kind of dip my toe into a few of them. And a lot of them were actually, like, recently retired players. Yeah. Andre Gudala and Evan Turner. Pretty good. Oh, I bet you that is. Not good. bad. Pretty good. Um, obviously, um, JJ Redick. Quite good. And, and, right. that's, and part of that is he gets really good guests. He's right. the only um, one that I've listened to clips of and been like, oh, this is well, good and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, like... He's an interesting guy. He is. I, I remember, viv- like, he was fucking super villain in, to me yep. at Duke. And somehow he's, like, a really thoughtful... Is he still like, on ESPN? I, I have not. I'm sure, I'm sure once NBA season gets going, he'll be on first take, like, all the time. I would imagine. Uh, he's yeah, unless, unless, he's yeah. going to be calling games, I think. I all actually right. thought he's going to be a color guy on some games. I will say, I don't listen to podcast, but I have... I will watch players' Twitch streams <laughs> when they do that. Like when like sauce, what, like what games? Like when sauce, sauce, is, play? sauce plays Grand Theft Auto Three. Sick. Uh, Breeze Hall plays Farm Simulator games. Um, Kyler Murray. Those are. I all just want to hear Breeze Hall just driving a semi with his brain in the back. You know, <laughs> there is yeah, a there is a clip of him of uh, no, sorry, it was AJ Dillon. It was oh. AJ Dillon playing Farm oh boy, Simulator oh boy. game. And there was a. Uh, <laughs> that makes all the sense in the world. The clip I saw was it was posted. And it was like this was twelve o'clock on a Saturday night. Go to bed. Yeah, like, you're playing. Well, a- Kyler, Kyler Murray's doing eight, tw- 14 hours a day every day of the week. Call of Duty, yeah. <laughs> um, like, that stuff, because that stuff I get to feel like that's their personality. Like, they're just playing video games with their friends. For sure. So, I've seen all the smoke, which is pretty good. Pretty good. I've got Matt Barnes and uh, Steven Jackson. Yeah. That Steve. is good. Yeah. But, 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 yeah. <laughs> those those guys, dudes are, guys those are who, big personalities. Guys who those had... Are, Careers, not really on the court, but off the court, they oh, had careers. No question. Was, was Barnes the one that was involved? With the Derek co- Fisher. No, Derek Fisher. Derek Fisher. <laughs> Derek Fisher. At his Absolutely. house, right? Derek Fisher was sleeping with Barnes. <laughs> Didn't Barnes? And one of them at- was going to drive to the other's ho- out like, across like three states to like just like go fuck up the other one because they were sleeping <laughs> with his wife. Yeah. Stephen Jackson was. I mean, the Palace of the Palace. The Palace. He was a. He was a. Uh, yeah, he was key a figure. He was yeah. He was the. Uh, I'm not sure it was a protagonist or antagonist. But they're but, but they are thoughtful, entertaining, and like I, I I do care about what they have to say about they they saw a lot of shit in their basketball careers like on court and you know they go about it in an entertaining way like you said. So the one I've been watching, not for very long, but I probably watched maybe an hour of a total, is um, New Heights, which is the Kelsey Brothers podcast. A, those are good dudes. Like yeah, they're, they're, they they're, seem like super good dudes. They're both really charismatic. They're like if the Golic sons could actually play. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's what yeah. it, it reminds me of. Like remember like Gronk in like the Gronk brothers, and it was just yeah. like a bunch of meatheads. Just like no, these are guys that actually like got college degrees and like yeah. have opinions about things. Jason Kelsey they both are all pros, or like and are all yeah, and are also they're, they're like, both, they're both all famous. Famous. Yeah, like, and are also yeah. like the most talented Super people genius. at their position, perhaps ever. Yeah, yeah, that's no exaggeration. Yeah, Kelsey might be the greatest center ever, and uh, I mean. Try, uh, Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey think, clearly is the greatest tight end. I think he is. Is that is, uh, oh, is he clearly? Uh, I think he's. I take him over Gronk. I would at this point. They're the same age. Right yeah. now, today, today. Yeah, and right. Kelsey's un- uncoverable. Uncoverable. Still, and one's in the other uh, time. No, he can't. He didn't block like Gronk blocked. He doesn't block no. at all. Um, he's yeah. He's <sighs> the definition of tight end. It's kind of loose. Like he's yeah. yeah. He's, a rec- he's a receiver. Uh, Kellen Winslow maybe. Yeah. But Gonzalez. Gonzalez, I'd still take Kelsey. I would too. Um, but that is like, that's a good, like I see clips of it all the time on like Twitter broken yeah. down. Like, oh, it's like I watch it. It's funny. 
you know, I like Jason when the whole Taylor Swift thing happened, like Jason Kelsey giving Travis shit. Like, yeah, Travis talk about it. And, yeah. Uh, reading tweets of hers or texts of hers and she's texting him. And Jason Kelsey's wife was a freaking riot on the show yeah. because she was due during the Super Bowl, the Philadelphia, um, the Philadelphia, New England, right? New England Super yeah. Bowl. And they had a doctor there so they could deliver the baby at the Super Bowl. And that was like the big thing. And um, she, Jason wanted it to be Super Bowl Kelsey. <laughs> and uh, if it was born on that day, she goes, well, we decided on Scott Bennett because it was the initials SB and that would be cute. Um, but Travis has said, yeah, yeah, Jason kept it. She goes, don't give me that. You were, you were egging him on. I was listening to you. You guys have a podcast. It's like, they're like, Really charming, funny guys. Also, really know football. Yeah, I mean, they're two of the smartest. They players. both. I think they both said Robert Salah's a really good coach. Guys that you'd want your sister or daughter to like. That's what they seem like. Like, yeah, good earnest dudes. Also, Travis Kelsey make a hell of a good living. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Travis that, Kelsey that, also, that yeah. too for sure. Also, sneakily, one of the better athletes on Saturday Night Live. He was. I know he, he was, was really good. And I, um and. I guess the table read went ter- was I was listening to someone talk about it, like the head writer somebody it was a woman and said like it was very bad and we said oh he can't read and then Mahomes is in there and a couple other guys were in and she said they were running the lines like all of them for hours on the next day it was really good she said like it was just you could tell these are guys who are used to practicing like you know it's you got to practice but um no, I, I, I think that's a really positive development. I don't think we need to have a, um, you know, a, a uh, filter between I, the athletes. You know, it's, well, what we what we haven't had yet is a player say something on a podcast that they get caught for, or get suspended for. We haven't had that happen yet. Well, we've we've had I feel athletes. Like Draymond suspended. Green has pushed that. He's not obviously gotten cut or traded, but he's he's definitely pushed. Well, I mean, uh, he had he got sat, right? Didn't he? Because of something he said. I believe he there was some kind of yeah, uh, repercussions for yeah, he made maybe some, some Jordan Poole stuff. He made after some that Jordan Poole comment, yeah. yeah. But you know, he doesn't like he'll do that to somebody. Like he'll do it to a reporter he too. He doesn't care. Does not give a fuck about. And um, Kyrie was on a podcast when he made some unfortunate statements. So got him in, that got him in some trouble. But I mean. Again, not a guy who needs an outlet. I mean, he also just I mean, posted that on Instagram himself. It's, it's like professional he, sports. Deshaun Watson has a job. I don't <laughs> yeah. think what they say on a podcast is true. However, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, you wait you until say a lot when the other side of the bar is, that guy's still working. Be, yeah. Yeah. You know, where they say something that, you know, damages the shield or yeah. something. <laughs> um, Patrick Beverly's podcast, shockingly, <laughs> seems to push some boundaries. Uh, so he's, he's, a big, he, he's a big barstool guy. He's a Ky- he's Kyrie over Luca, and like Spencer Dinwiddie over like Spencer Dinwiddie's better than Luca. I swear to God, he said. Like, he's yeah, like, he did. <laughs> Whoa, easy. Patrick Beverly. I think it was Beverly's podcast. Patrick Beverly, who did too small to LeBron after scoring. <laughs> I mean, he's when he's the, a maniac. When the T Wolves won like their play-in game a couple of years ago, he he reacted like they had just. Won the yeah. championship. Like he he's up on he's up on the scores table, just almost jerseys like almost off. Like sweet, like Jesus, guy's got no <laughs> zero chill. He uh, that's why he's probably a good podcaster. Yeah, that's he's, why he's engaging. It's also why why he's like Bizarro Russell Westbrook. They're the same person, psychopaths. Except I mean, except 
Westbrook is, you know, multitudes better, although Beverly wouldn't think so. I'm just waiting. I'm sure Beverly <laughs> thinks he's a top 10 player. Yes. All, to, all time. Yeah. I'm just waiting uh, for a player to do like a serial style murder mystery podcast. <laughs> Ray Carruth. Yeah. Oh, Ray Carruth from yeah. prison. Ray, oh, Ray Lewis gets to the bottom of what happened that <laughs> night. Ray Lewis. Yes. Well, OJ. Yeah, OJ oh, can find the real killers yeah. oh, if I did it. But, uh, but you know, there's I an think, audiobook for that. But, but I think, yeah, but I think what we're seeing is is athletes doing, and, and to bring it back to Taylor Swift, she's done this too. She simply said, "You don't get to just take all of my money or lots of my money that I'm earning away from me." So she reissues her own song, so nobody will buy the original versions. Because no, she, they're bought by hedge fund. She has an army. Um, she Literally. she's directly sold her film. She owns the film, paid for it herself, sold it directly to AMC, not using a studio. They think that that's going to make her an additional sixty million dollars personally over what she did. We're seeing younger people. I think athletes, we see it in music. I mean, and I think more than ever, there's been kind of a blending of that line. You know, we see it with Taylor. I mean, the Taylor's, my daughters, stepdaughters, would have no idea who Travis Kelsey is except for Taylor Swift. Like, no idea. And um, and now they know about him. Um, but I think that we're seeing more and more that they're just saying, you know, younger people are saying, yeah, the system doesn't really work for us. And we don't really understand why you're getting all this money. You see guys negotiating their own contract. Lauren Jackson. His mother negotiated the contract. Saved him 10%. 10%. On that contract, it's $40 million. For sure. Look, Taylor Swift is the only, I I think, the only celebrity that could could do something like that, like she did. But she's also, like, the first. And when there's a first, there there means more. it's more to come. Like, it's going to be, like, kind of like a revolutionary step. Um, I, and maybe this is my closing thought, I, I look at it almost like... Just because you're a great athlete doesn't mean you're going to be a great like executive, as we've seen. I, there's exceptions. Like I think John Lynch with San Francisco is like really John, John, John Elway, Ozzie uh, Newsom for sure. Ozzie Newsom, I, I mentioned not John Elway. John, yeah, I was <laughs> John, say, John, John Elway. Elway. The other side. Not a good, uh, not a good. Uh, well, yeah, uh, Isaiah Thomas. Ooh, <laughs> terrible. The, the, the worst. Chilling, yeah. The worst. But there's going to be just like, just because you're a former athlete, a great athlete doesn't mean you're going to be a great podcaster. Um, and look, I think it's like. Again, I'm totally for these guys wanting to like control what uh, control control. Like I said before, control their narrative. And look, some of them are going to be really good, like some of the ones you mentioned, and some of them are going to be not so good. But props to them for making that taking that step in, you know, dipping their toes into this medium that we've been the, uh, a the, part of for five years. You now. know, the, you look at the idea that you know Brady was just going to work for Fox, and then you look at what the Mannings have done. Where they're now, a, like that's pretty good. Like there's kind of a subsidiary of ESPN. They've got man. I mean, they I Omaha think Kev, Productions. I think Kevin Clark works for that Omaha. is that is who he works for. Right, that, he doesn't work for ESPN. Yeah. He, he they're bankrolling his the trip and what he's doing. Yeah. Right, and so all of that is, um, you know, I, I think th- I think it's overall a positive sign, and I think it's a positive sign that um, athletes have taken, in large part control of their careers i think that's a positive sign as long as it's done in good faith and it often is but not always which is the way life works 
Any final thoughts, Zach? Yeah, I mean, sure. Look at Richer. You know, and good. They deserve it, but let's see if they do anything with it or if they just hoard it or, you know, we'll see. My guess would be that you would see that athletes give a larger percentage of their income than the owners do yeah. to charity. Yeah, I mean, Travis Kelsey bought a $6 million house yesterday so him and Taylor Swift could have privacy. <laughs> Well, Taylor bought the six million dollars. No, oh, no, it was very specifically <laughs> yeah. stated. It was Travis. Well, I mean, they're going. They're not going to get. They're not going to live in a raised ranch. Yeah, in, 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 you know, in I Terrytown, mean, New Jersey, and give off the rest. I mean, my, but, my feelings about the rich extend to yeah, athletes too. All you know, all members of people who have over you know fifty million dollars. Yeah, I'd I'd rather see it go in the hands of the guy that played the game as opposed to James Dolan, yeah. who just inherited the game. Give the towel manager a million dollars. <laughs> Cable vision, baby. Still, still, strong. And with that, we'll say goodnight for the Bill Bradley Collective. As always, we thank you for joining us here. And if you like today's episode, smash that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Let's help grow the collective brand. We'll see you all next week on the Bill Bradley Collective.